from over the internet and into your MP3 player. This is That Gay Podcast. Thank you, Ben. Welcome to That Gay Podcast for June 17th, 2016. I'm Troy here. Along with Matt, Chris, Jeff, and Brian, our friends uh, Kevin and Greg are here as well. Uh, they've been with us, so we'll kind of skip the usual introductions there. And, um, you know, I don't have to tell you that this week's um, been pretty rough on our community. Um, doesn't matter where you are. It's what we've seen over the last week has hurt, and it's hurt. It's hurt very deeply. And uh, this show is going to be largely unedited. It'll be primarily as we recorded it, um, and it's going to be personal, and it's going to be a little bit rough. But um, I think that's kind of what we need to do, and I think we all kind of agree on that. And um, we're just kind of go ahead and get started. I think the thing that hurts most is this could have happened to any of us. Yeah. It was it was our safe space. It was and I was out Saturday night. Um Saturday was um the it was right after our pride parade in DC. And a lot of us decided we were going to go out on the town um celebrating enjoying each other's company much much like those guys did and i think when the news hit on sunday like when we all woke up and i woke up to text messages and facebook alerts and everything else just kind of um just kind of in shock Especially when the first stories came out and they said, you know, 20 dead at a nightclub. And then found out it was a gay nightclub and found out, you know, that the number wasn't 20, it was 50. And that didn't even count the ones who were injured. And I I was in shock. I, I went to the Pride Festival on Sunday I wasn't going to go. I I was that shell shocked and that scared that something, some crazy guy, you know, would do something. And yet I went because I felt like I had to. I had to be there for friends. I had to be visible. And uh, there was definitely it was definitely a heavier setting on Sunday. And uh, it wasn't it it wasn't uh, we were trying to be celebratory in defiance of what happened for those who you know who couldn't enjoy the festivities anymore you know yeah, it kind of hit me oh go ahead I was just gonna say um, my experience was was a little bit different I didn't have any celebration to go to on Sunday I was at home just sort of relaxing and uh, my first learning what happened was looking at um, Twitter and social media and uh, and of course that sort of is, is a crazy making experience anyway right because you're seeing things being retweeted and reported and you don't know how much of it is old and you don't know how much of it is new and you don't know how much of it is factual and so i'm going back and forth between that and trying to like google search news reports right and um and 
also being on social media and the sort of position and the, you know the role that I always have on social media it put me in immediately a very analytical mood and I saw all of these emotional reactions and seeing the emotional reactions on social media of other people almost had this opposite effect on me in that moment so on Sunday I was trying to be like a sane guy tweeting I mean the 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 big tweet that I had that had you know, the thousand favorites and whatever was saying it's sad to see people arguing whether the pulse shooting in Orlando was homophobia or an Islamic attack. It was both. And uh, because I saw people trying to take sides and everybody trying to like the liberals are saying this and the conservatives saying that. And I was just like, it's not just one thing. Let's not argue. Let's just talk about the whole thing and let's complexity is OK. And I was in this analytical mood because I was trying to calm people down and not make it into a political thing. And so as a result, I didn't feel much on Sunday. I was in analysis mode on Sunday. But the thing that was weird was Monday for me. Monday, driving to work and trying to go about my normal routine and hearing my friend Ron on, on the radio uh, reporting, from, reporting from, you know, Orlando and... And I guess even having it become personal and hearing a, a friend of mine doing the reporting and all of a sudden it just became a real emotional thing for me. And I started crying, which is weird because I don't cry. I mean, I cry for stuff like the Lion King, you know, but not for real stuff. Right. And, and so I walked into work in the morning just in this in this incredibly just like not making eye contact, looking at the floor mood. And um and it affected my whole day. But but the one of the positive things, and this actually ended up happening over the course of the week, was a, a straight guy in, in the department that I'm in. At one point in the afternoon, came up to me and he just put his hand on my shoulder and said, how are you hanging in there, Greg? Are you okay? And, oh, God, pardon me. Um, and I just, you know, I had been kind of fixating on, like, my work routine to not be emotional. And in that moment, my, my eyes welled up again. But I just appreciated it so much. And I feel like that was... You know, if there's anything that was really positive about the fact that I went to work that day on Monday was that there was there was I mean, people there knew that it affected our community. I mean, they knew a tragedy had happened in America as a general thing, but I really got a sense from my coworkers that they understood that it affected my community. And I felt a great deal of compassion whether it was people saying things or people just giving me space um but then i cried on to drive home again on monday too so that was just it was a very weird thing because it was monday for me it wasn't sunday sunday was analysis and and politics and that was partially because of how i learned about it it was on social media and then monday was oh my god this is something that this is something that happened to my people you know right that was probably one of the strangest ordeals, or not necessarily ordeals, just details of the situation. Is I like you, I didn't find out on the news. I I found out rolling over in the 
opening my phone to Facebook where everybody was talking about it, and I'm like, what happened? And I I remember spending most of my Sunday just completely in disbelief. I'd seen so much tragedy coming out of Florida, and I'm like, I, I don't know how to process this. And this is the first major... Um, major LGBT-based ordeal I've seen since I've come out. And so sitting there thinking, like, I don't understand yet the whole clubs are a safe space. I I haven't really gone out and done the whole nightclub thing yet. And so having to sit, sitting there, reading all these names and thinking, these are people my age and, and not too much older who they're not going to see anything anymore. They're, they have all moved on to heaven, and there are all these families who, and friends who just lost people so close to them. And I've spent a lot of my week in borderline disbelief. I, I didn't want to think that this was actually an event. I didn't want to believe that this had happened. And it didn't truly become like real to me until Wednesday where my church held a memorial service and I was asked to read names and it was so haunting because I remember seeing some of the videos of the victims on their snapchats and on their facebooks after all this had happened and I'm like this is so strange I I can't wrap my mind around it and if it wasn't for the memorial service, I'd still be questioning what's going on because it's as much of a rap as religion gets against LGBT people. There's so much love that I have found in my church. And so getting to share that with people, strangers I've never met who just came over and gave me a hug and said, we're going to be okay are you okay? Just trying to make sure everything was being held together. There are so many incredible allies and that could have been easily observed through the blood drives that happened so quickly after the event. And I just, it's strange that it took something like this to bring some sort of positive change or some sort of positive movement, even as temporary as it is, to the forefront. And I hope that it doesn't take another one. I, I can't imagine this happening again. Not, I mean, I love to wish that stuff like this didn't happen, but I, I can't realistically say it won't. I just hope it doesn't anymore. There's too much hatred, and I can't deal with it. <laughs> I had, I'm going to say, three separate experiences uh, from when it happened. Um, like everybody else, like, I, was, I was out Saturday like Matt was at a gay bar, dancing, partying, having fun. And I think at one point in the night I saw my phone. I got a, like a CNN notification that there had been a shooting, but I didn't really pay much attention to it because I was distracted. There was music. There was lights. And it was when I, you know, woke up the next day that I, you know, realized, you know, the gravity of it. And then I kind of immediately went into news mode. I went into just, like, consumption mode. Like, memorize details mode. Follow this mode. Um, so I... 
I didn't really, I didn't feel sad. I didn't feel pain. I just kind of felt, um, I felt very focused all of Sunday of just following it. And then I went to work that night, and of course, that's all we talked. We all we talked about, all we worked on was this story because it was obviously the biggest thing that anybody was ever going to talk about at work. Um, and then after work, I kind of had a, I kind of experienced it from a, I would say a, a, a viewer standpoint. I got to actually see it and experience it and see it from just a from a neutral standpoint like I'm just now able to feel what happened and not and not and not just you know take in facts um but then it, it wasn't I think until maybe Tuesday or Wednesday and I think social media played into this because I started seeing my friends post and I started seeing articles pop up on various websites that I started um experiencing it as a gay person and that was when I actually um, started feeling things. I, I don't. I, I'm not a crier. I, I don't feel that the, the the pain that people talk about when these things happen. Um, I, I get very passionate. I get very fired up. That's I, that's how my my body responds. Um, and my response this time was just very very angry I, maybe not angry is the right word but um, very passionate passionate yeah. and frustrated yeah I think um, um, oh go ahead Brian I'm sorry no no I was that was kind of the, just what I wanted to get out no I think um, I went through a pretty much the same thing you did because um, because of my job because of uh, going to journalist mode there you know I found out Sunday morning uh, when I got up that it was up to 20 and it hadn't sunk in and then I was out running with uh, my running group and came back and it had gone up to 50 and it still hadn't sunk in and quite honestly it hadn't sunk in all week long it didn't sink in for me until this afternoon um and I'm not sure what prompted it or what triggered it. Um, I was um, in meditation, which, um, and it just hit, and I started to cry. And I'm, I quite honestly, I don't think I'm, I still don't think I've processed it fully yet. I, uh, yeah. I, 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 it, I, it's, it's just, it's very difficult to I, understand the, um, the gravity there, you know? I think that there, the processing it for everybody, I, I know at least for me, and I think for most people, is not just a, I mean, it's a multi-step, it's an ongoing, it's not just one thing that happens and then is done, right? I mean, yeah. it's, it's something that happens in waves and and I think that you know if I uh, if I if I was going to give advice to anybody about this sort of thing it would be to let those waves happen and not and try not to and you know not to try to stop them 
because it's natural to go through different phases. And that was one of the things, you know, with my, like I was saying, I went through my analysis mode on Sunday and then I went through the emotional part on Monday and then some on Tuesday. And each time it was a little different and I went through different emotions too. And, and I, you know, I went through, <laughs> even in retrospect, thinking about the fact that, you know, after, you know, after seeing, after being in analysis mode and seeing all the different reactions and the stances that people take politically or culturally on the different things and then turning inward and thinking about my own emotional reactions. And I could recognize the, you know, I did have, sure, there was a point, and I can admit this, there was a point shortly, early on, shortly after I started allowing myself to feel things, that I had anger, and I was listening to, I don't even know, some radio station, and, and I, I had a brief moment. I had a brief moment of anger at ISIS and radical Islam, and I had and there was a moment where i i allowed those feelings you know screw those guys we need to just attack them and declare war you know that that kind of thing the stuff that i know is irrational the stuff that i know isn't actually doable <laughs> um but i i let myself i let those feelings pass through me and i think it was important to let it pass through me and not try to bottle it up. And so I had a good moment where I was there and I was just like, fuck those guys, you know? But then I think the mark of maturity is you, you allow yourself to feel those emotions in the heat of the moment. And you, you know, you, you then step back and you let the sort of thoughtful part of your mind take over and, and you say, all right, you know, first of all, you can't just go and, find exactly those people and bomb them as if they are wearing yellow hats and you can identify who they are. And, and it's not as if that's actually going to solve the whole problem because it's an intersection of very complex interactions between all kinds of different factors. And as long as you can pull yourself back, I think it's okay to admit that you're a human being <clears throat> and you might have a second of the anger and the, you know, screw guns or screw those people, whoever those people are. You know, I can. It makes me understand why there are people on Twitter who are just raging in all caps against this group or guns or that group. And I just wish they were a fragment more mature to be able to realize, hey, this is a very real human emotion you're experiencing, and that's okay. But we gotta think about it too. You know. I think the problem is this is such a complex situation. Because there's multiple factors at work. Yeah. And we yeah. as a society or as humans try to find the simplest solution. So that's yeah, why we target seem to be we latch onto one thing, not right. several. So that's why you see people going after this or people going after that. Whereas it really is a combination of everything that's just rolled into this jumble of mess that yeah. just exploded. Yeah, I think that's exactly right. And and people, it was it was maddening, and that was part of what frustrated me on Sunday about the social media. And that got me into the analysis mode was everybody was it is it's not X, it's Y, it's not Y, it's Z, and I'm just like it's the interaction between all of these things, you know, and it is a specific constellation that came together in a moment to create this horror. And we need to look at how all those things interacted 
and we need to not, you know, find one factor and declare ourselves done, you know, because there's a lot more work. There's a lot more work that we need to do and that we can do if we can just get our acts together to not be scared of complexity and to not be scared of saying that maybe the answer doesn't fit any one group's agenda. But we have to not be scared of that and we have to be willing to do that work. And, And as individuals, I feel like I meet and I talk with one-on-one so many people that are willing to do that, but somehow when it gets translated to humanity en masse, it just, ah, it is so frustrating. It is so frustrating. I think that's where my anger came in, was when the political pundits started unpacking their stuff. And it turned into, well, candidate A says it's this issue and this issue alone. And candidate B says it's this issue and this issue alone. Whereas, like, because all I heard over the, like, last couple of days from our major presidential nominees, at least, was gun control versus radical Islam. I heard absolutely nothing about discrimination, racism. Yeah. And I got to say, I mean, it took, what, a couple of days for the narrative of, well, he had been a regular at this bar, that he had been um, on the dating apps and stuff, for that to come out. Which, honestly, quite honestly, that surprised me a little bit, that that took that long. Mm -hmm. Well, that was probably a matter of, like, investigators releasing information. That's my assumption, at least. Right, but at the same time, you have people who have been there... If, if this guy had been at this bar before, as they say, True. you know, the people who were there that night would have recognized him, you know, so. I, I get well, frustrated some, by that storyline because I don't see how it could possibly matter. I don't think well, it makes a difference. It, it doesn't matter because in the end, whether he was closeted or he was experiencing all this stuff, is it sad that something pushed him to this extreme to where that is the only way he could express his frustration and anger? Yes, that well, I, is I, I would say. I, I think it, it, it does matter in certain context, and let me explain. Um, it, when it comes to like the fact that it happened and that it shouldn't have happened, of course it doesn't matter. Um, but if, if we broaden the conversation to something like um, toxic masculinity, or you know, homophobic society then I think it does matter that if somebody was, you know, I, I don't want to, you know, you know, label this guy something he was not. We'll never know. He's dead now. But if he was deeply closeted, troubled, struggling with his sexuality, and that was enough to, you know, perhaps do this, then that's a factor in that if this sort of environment can push somebody to violence, it should be addressed if toxic masculinity is enough to push somebody to violence. I, so I, I, I agree with that. Absolutely. Um, I guess when I, when I said it didn't matter what I, and, and I guess I don't even mean it doesn't matter to me. It doesn't matter as much as the other things is maybe the more clear way of putting it. Because to me, to me, like toxic masculinity and the fear of, 
um, the fear of gay people is a little bit more sad when it's a gay person feeling it, but it's not really that different, in my opinion, as a phenomenon from toxic masculinity and fear of gay people when it's a straight person experience. It. To me, the problem is the, is the homophobia and the toxic masculinity, and whether that those those feelings are coupled with it being experienced by a gay person or a straight person, I guess that is, to me, the least important thing. And maybe that's what I meant when I said it doesn't matter. Okay. I'm sorry. Sorry. Jeff, I don't know if I've heard from you on this conversation either. So, I have uh, appreciated very much that um, everyone's kind of recollections of the day and, and how everyone in their way uh, has been um, uh, digesting the information and, and trying to attach um, uh, appropriate emotion to it. I think that's I think that's helpful for for everybody. Really, um, as we have gone through this last week, um, there are some things that have stood out to me, um, and I you know I'm I'm going I want to leave aside the conversation about whose shit is getting hung on what storyline here and uh, who's driving that narrative to suit their purposes and that sort of thing. Here are the things that kind of struck me. Um, I have been um, absolutely uh, gobsmacked at the level of um, the level of uh, open signs of support for uh, for the not just the victims but the um, the community at large, um, I heard a piece uh, on WCBS New York uh, with a woman who waited ten hours in line to give blood in Florida. Um, I heard um, I heard comments at a vigil and a rally in, of all places, Salt Lake City, Utah, where the lieutenant governor of the state of Utah apologized to the LGBT community for times that he has not been understanding and supportive of the community. And seeing in his own mind a through line between things that he's said or not said, if you guys get what I mean, and I think you do, and what happened um, last weekend uh, in Orlando. Uh, the, uh, the picture that just stopped me in my tracks this week um, of the shoes of Dr. Joshua Corsa at the Orlando Regional Medical Center, covered in blood, and his recollection of treating the victims of that shooting that night, um, uh, and 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 talking about you know his feeling about about the community and about uh, and and about the 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 great work that he and his colleagues uh, did. Um, I heard of all people, Franklin Graham in Springfield, Illinois this week for an already scheduled event, um, praying for the people who died and for their families and for doctors and first responders. 
Um, a lot of this is lip service and a lot of it's rhetoric and a lot of it is, you know, these are, you say nice things about people when something horrible has happened to them. Um, I get that. Um, but I think it's in many ways really extraordinary. And I don't know if it's a tipping point, but it, it, I would like to think it's the beginning of something. I, I do think that it, it, in this year that has been so extraordinary in so many ways in terms of public discourse and um, uh, and use of social media and um, a coarseness that I think a lot of us feel, there have been numerous opportunities and numerous interactions where people are genuinely talking to each other about our community and about the laws. I noted um, Greg's recollection about being at work. Uh, I had a similar, uh, it wasn't as emotional, I don't think for either of us, but I had a similar experience with a Muslim woman that I work with uh, who came in, uh, who came in for her shift and I was working and and she made a point of being like, hey, how are you doing? Are you okay? I said, yeah, are you okay? And she's like, yeah. Um, you know, and acknowledging that we all kind of have a piece of this. Um, I think that's important. And I, and, it, and, I, and I hope, again, that it's the beginning um, of something. I also, I also am uh, hopeful that uh, part of what comes out of this um, is a recognition of the diversity within the LGBT community. One of the things that I, I wish in my own role as a journalist that I wish had been brought up a lot more was this was Latin night at mm -hmm. Pulse. This was most of the people who died there were queer people of color. And I think... And I think that that we are, you know, I, I think I think a lot of times we're like, oh my god, how many different you know descriptors can we use for people? Um, but I, I hope that we don't lose sight of that, and I, I'm hopeful that that happens. And the other thing that I'm noticing, uh, certainly from my friends and from you know, people who talk here in Chicago and elsewhere, is. You know, in a year where you're last year, of course, we weren't doing this podcast last year, but I think last year uh, after uh, the marriage ruling came down, um, I think there was some conversation um, in some communities about, you know, gee, you know, why do we still need pride? Didn't we get everything we want? Um, and I think uh, um, what I am seeing uh, which heartens me a bit is is even uh, is even my straight friends um, are saying, "Hey, I'm going to come to the parade this year, and I've never been, and I'm going to go because I think it's important for me to be there." Um, and it's I think in for communities that haven't had their pride celebrations yet, I know. Uh, Manhattan's is the same weekend as Chicago's coming up here in another week or so as we tape this. Um, uh, what I am struck by is 
a realization from a lot of people uh, that pride still matters and it's important. And uh, yeah, I, and, and to Matt's point from much earlier in the program, um, yeah, if I stay home and don't go to pride, then the terrorists win. So fuck them. Um, uh, but I mean, I think, but it's more than that. It's, it's, uh, it, and it's, and I think this year it's going to be more than a party and I think it will be a party. Um, it's going to be more than a party. I think it's an opportunity. At least I hope that's what it's going to be. Uh, an opportunity for our friends who aren't in our community to surround us with love I hope, and with support um, in a way that maybe they haven't felt comfortable doing before. And um, that's something that gives me hope after this extraordinary week that we've had. I think it might actually, um, it pains me to say the word help, but the, you know, what happened may help people who aren't in the community understand pride better because yeah. even I, before, especially before I came out and even like uh, a little while after I came out, I didn't really understand pride. I didn't, yeah. I, 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 I actually, I wrote about this. Uh, that was how I chose to kind of collect my thoughts was I started blogging a little bit after the, the attack. And it's one of the first things I felt like I had to write about was, um, I didn't get why, you know, marching in a parade, you know, often wearing very little, uh, with glitter in your hair and wearing, you know, you know, wings and whatnot. I'm stereotyping my apologies, but, but I'm not though. Um, why that was important. Um, but I figured it out, you know, on my own. I'm like, okay. I, 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 I understand why this is important, but I could understand why straight people wouldn't understand it. And a lot of and young really gay people think, don't either, yeah. Right. Yes. Um, and I think that now a lot more of them will. Now, um, Kevin, I'm sorry, I, I had inten- unintentionally cut you off earlier. Um, uh, no, 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 that's all right. Um, I mean, you guys kind of touched on everything that I was feeling this weekend um, you know Sunday was just shock, disbelief um, I attended a vigil a vigil with uh, Brian and our other friend that night, it still hadn't quite sunk in until the next day, um, I just wanted to know about the victims, know about their life um, that's what really, when it really sunk in for me, uh, when I started reading about their stories and um, at, I was at work had a busy day, but found a few moments to read some articles and just sat there crying at my desk and nobody was around. So, you know, nobody said anything to me, but, um, you know, and I was trying to be professional, but, um, it was a really emotional day. It was very empty for me. Um, and then it went to, you know, this is pride weekend. We're going into pride weekend here in Portland and, I've got this sort of apprehension now about, you know, what if something happens? You know, I kind of always thought something could possibly happen at Pride or at a at a gay bar, but not 
never imagined anything that happened in Orlando. Um, but I noticed myself uh, thinking about it more. Uh, you know, got to be vigilant. Um, but, you know, we also have to be there for pride. You know, we, we, have to, we have to march for our cause. That so many people, um, young people, as you said, didn't understand what pride was. And I think now they're, they're beginning to. Um, but after pride, where do we go from here? You know, um, I think one of the things I wanted to say today was most recently, I feel like the LGBT Q I a, whatever other letters there are, I I can't keep track anymore. Um, is the only, uh, group of people I feel like getting stuff done. Um, and I think that's because our group is so diverse, uh, you know, with religions, races, genders, uh, you know, we're, we're a diverse group of people that we all come together to fight for one thing. Whereas these other groups, it's, you know, one thing against the other, but, you know, here we can come together as one, um, showing how great diversity can be and I think we'll get some stuff done and start taking on some other social issues um, that don't um, necessarily that we wouldn't necessarily uh, be taking on like gun control Uh, so where do we go from here I think my big fear is we know how the news cycle works we know that a week, two weeks from now, this is going to fade. Quite honestly, Matt, I, I'm as cynical as it sounds to say, with the news cycle the way it is, I'm surprised it's still in the news these right. days, as it is right but, now. Which, again, that's me being saying, cynical, but yeah. Well, it's also but, an election year. Yeah. yeah. Right. And it's well, and you, also, and you also Very are, much. you know, you also are coming into um, Pride events in... Yeah some of the biggest cities in the country here in the last two weeks. So sure, sure. it's going to be kind of on the radar for a little while. Yeah. Look, the uh, nature, it is kind of, it is kind of interesting. Things, the nature I, of things is that it's going to go, it's, that it's going to fade and pass. I mean, how soon after, and I don't mean to conflate the two necessarily. I mean, how soon after the September 11th attacks are we doing ridiculous tabloid stories on the news again? I mean, it's going to happen. The, the key to get to the question of where we go from here is to make sure that we hold those people close in our minds and make sure that we can do what we can to make, make spaces safe for the rest of the community, I think. I guess my big thing is, you know, after this dies down, how do we keep people accountable for what they've said during this? How do we how do we make sure that those who died didn't die for nothing? Because that was the big thing that some of my friends were saying. Like even as soon as like Tuesday, Wednesday, they said, you know. If they didn't do anything, 
like after a mass shooting in Sandy Hook, you know, which was arguably the most despicable of mass shootings in this country, you know. And I'm not saying that this isn't, but, you know, if we didn't do anything then, are we going to be able to do anything now? That's and something I, think, I definitely thought of. And I think um, that's the biggest fear of mine is that all of these politicians and all of these people who are currently standing with the LGBT alphabet soup community um, that, you know, they're going to realize that this is no longer the issue du jour and then they're going to move away and then where we, what do we do from there? Like, how do we keep going well that was that was the source of my frustration like when i when i spoke about frustration earlier that was really what got me fired up was seeing people who historically have had little to nothing to say about the lgbt community and some even just flat out don't like the community you know offering thoughts and prayers which greg i think it was you said is paying you know, we're going to hear lip service, which is to be expected. Um, but Matt, you're right. It's like when it's not the issue of the day, I can't help but to believe that these same people are just going to go back to their old habits. And we saw it like two days after the shooting. Um, you know, I, I, I apologize for politicizing it, you know, but... Um, Republicans in the House blocked LGBT protections mm-hmm. less than like 72 hours after this. And I, I saw that and I'm that just really, 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 really hurt to see that because it just kind of showed me that it was already too late. Nothing seemed like it was going to change. Well, and it was still well, so fresh. Yeah, I mean, I think that, I think that we do have to just for our own sanity, I'm not saying we have to in an authoritarian way or or anything, but I'm just saying for our own sakes, we should uh, be realistic about where we set expectations. We know historically the amount of, you know, that we know historically that there are numbers that are what are called soft numbers, right? And in terms of support for any issue and, um, and then it goes away. And uh, the most that we can do, if there is a bright side to looking at the world that way, historically, I mean, then we know that we can not expect the politicians to make drastic moves. We cannot expect them to have epiphanies and, you know, make uh, suddenly come over and see the light. But all we can do is use you know each of the experiences and the one-on-one moments that we have with the people in our lives like all of us have been discussing whether it's with co-workers who check on in on us or whether it is with friends who put our arms around each other and say we're going to get through this and screw all this we're going to pride anyway <laughs> <laughs> um and the straight friends that uh you know 
maybe became a little bit more aware about the fact that all of the gay community's problems aren't solved yet and they don't have any power and they're not making policy, but it's inch by inch and moment by moment through these one-on-one connections that I think, you know, the change does happen gradually. And, uh, and I, I refuse to say that, you know, oh, everything will go back to exactly the way it was and nothing will have changed because, you know, if you look at it in terms of policy, maybe it can seem that way, but I feel like culturally, um, the kind of longer term coming together and the cultural experience of a tragedy like this, um, you know, can, can end up having a long-term healing effect as people react to it and learn about it. And as we as individuals reach out one-on-one and have those personal connections to everybody around us within the community and without. So, so I guess that's my, my jaded optimism, uh, you know, set the expectations low when it comes to policy. Cause of course, none of that is, you know, all that's going to go back, but, but socially, I think, you know, we keep evolving and we just need to set our sights on that, on the people that we touch and the memories that we share. And that's really the thing that, that is going to push us forward. That's the answer to the question, what happens next? And I, and I really like that, as you said, jaded optimism, because um, Monday, Monday nights I have a sociology class I'm taking at a community college in the area and somebody said well this isn't going to matter in a couple days anyways and that that kind of brought up the frustration of this is something really serious but after about a day of settling that um i saw it um and of course this is some of it can be considered celebrity lip service to people who don't know these celebrities but i saw um lady gaga's speech at one of the memorial services. Mm -hmm. And it had the same effect on me as Ellen's did at the Matthew Shepard vigil. And it brought, besides the fact it made me cry, it brought forth a sense of hope that, like you said, although policy may not change immediately, our culture will never be the same. Whether it's American culture in general, LGBT QA alphabet soup culture will ever be the same. I don't think any of them will be the same anymore because now we have something that brings us together in a way that none of us want, none of us wanted. Nobody wanted this to happen, but now we have a common tie that tragedy occurs to everybody. And it was a very harsh reminder because I'm, I've had the conversations before as well where people are like, oh, well, I don't understand you needing a pride. This is why we needed it. This is why we still need it. And it's it's a painful reminder that none of us wanted, but it's going to remain a powerful one whether the media holds on to this for too much longer or not because people are going to remember. One of the things that I chose to do um, after this event, um, I've kept my family pretty shielded to homophobia that I've experienced. I don't recall myself ever telling them um, any experiences that I've had. And I just, one night I couldn't sleep. I had to do something. And I, I carefully wrote on Facebook something that had happened to me. 
um, that I think is important that for the people around us to know, to understand that, yeah, this isn't something that happens to people on TV, um, you know, once in a while. This happens to everybody in the LGBT community every single day, um, even to the people we love. And um, the, the outpouring of love that I got from my family, which I knew they loved me and, and supported me already, but um, many of them shared uh, that story on their own Facebook to a whole new uh group of people that maybe doesn't uh see that kind of stuff very often so you know like my facebook is full of you know gay people and you know allies so essentially it's reaching the choir but um for them to share it and to support me in a way that i haven't seen before was really moving and um so that was just one experience but i've had many others um and I think it's important that we talk about those things uh, to the people we love. Um, and I don't know why I kept it from them. I guess I was just trying to protect them because there was nothing I could do about it. You know. Um, I have two thoughts as um, we get ready to close this down. It kind of sounds like we're starting to wind down on this. Um, I was at... Um, there was an impromptu vigil at the White House um, on Sunday night. Um, we heard about it through the grapevine at Pride. So after the last concert of the night, uh, we walked up to the White House. Uh, There's probably about close to a thousand, I want to say there, um, which was pretty good for an impromptu thing. And... Um, after the vigil was over, I went up to one of the Secret Service guys and, uh, you know, I, I thanked him because, um, you know, they could have shooed us all away and said, you know, um, but I thanked him for letting us gather and stuff. And he kind of shook my hand. He, you know, checked to make, you know, he said, you know, we're more than happy to have you guys here. And then he asked me if I was okay. And, uh, then he said, you know, just, uh, stay courageous. And that, that stuck with me through the week. Cause I didn't think that showing up to a vigil was courageous until he said something along those lines. And he, I thought about it and I was like, you know, by being visible, by being being out, being who we are, that that does take courage. And just one more thing that that reminded me of. I I read a column today actually. Um the basis of it was the the LGBT community isn't the best at changing people's minds, but we're remarkably good at changing hearts. <laughs> you know, huh, I like that because I like that. we're because like like Kevin said we're kind of we're we're in every every population every ethnic group every race every gender every everywhere we're Muslim we're Christian we're white we're black we're Mexican we're we're Asian we're we're unique in that sense we're we're that <laughs> it's and you know I, I never really thought about it like that until I heard that 
but we have the opportunity to influence every corner of the planet that way. And it's just by being a human being and being visible. And I, I just have to, you know, ride Matt's coattails and say, like, I think visibility is so, so important. Like, visibility and just humanity. We also have the th- advantage of, of not, I don't want to say this the wrong way, but um, you can't see that we're gay on the outside or, you know, how, however you're lesbian. Uh, you can't always tell. So we have the ability to hide, get to know people on a different level than, you know, than someone's skin color or if yeah. they are, you know, wearing something for their religion. You know, we have the ability to kind of um, interject ourselves into these worlds and and, and spread that, uh, I don't know, love. Humanity. Um, humanity. I mean, it's, it's really just humanity, um, I think. You know, and then the people, like you said, learn to love. Uh, you change their hearts and when they find out or maybe they already knew, but, um, yeah, I think that, I think that, sorry, I think the visibility thing is, um, is probably a great, if there was one thing to take away from, you know, the events of the last week and, and how to move forward, I think it really is to be visible. And I, um, I, I went back and did a little bit of research. Um, I, it's, kind of chilling to think that that um uh that, that we we want to think that nothing like this has ever happened before but in fact um something like this has happened before um in 1973 32 people died in an arson fire at a gay bar in new orleans mm-hmm. not a lot of people know about that in 1973 was a very different time in american culture um i i think it was only in 1973 that the first sort of real depiction of an actual homosexual person on television happened with the louds on PBS. Um, you know, we are so much more visible now in the, uh, in the ensuing, however many 40 some odd years. Um, the, and that I think is why we have become so, uh, why, in many ways, the um, uh, the support that we're seeing and the sort of visibility, the visible support we're seeing, has been so remarkable, um, and and I think it's I think it's it is critical, I think, for this community to continue to stay visible and continue to be out whenever possible and remind people that we're not just like their uh kids or their parents or their coworkers we are people's kids and parents and coworkers and um and we aren't going anywhere um the last thing i wanted to finish out with was um it's been circulating around Facebook. I'm sure you guys have already seen it about uh, the woman who wrote um, saying, you know, this wasn't supposed to happen to you. Our generation was the one who was supposed to knock down the wall. And uh, she she said, you know, 
this is the world isn't a safe space. It only gets safer when you fight like hell for it. We weren't given the spaces we have. It's a fight, so get prepared. Read your history. Talk to your elders. Listen and learn and show up. We need you, your energies and ideas. We'd still take a bullet for you, literally and figuratively. You were just never supposed to ta- have to take a bullet for us. Hmm. So, I guess, if anything comes out of this, you know, be visible and keep fighting for what what we need. I think that's um, all we can do. I think that's the best we can do. I think so. Yeah. All right. I think it's a good way to close. I think it is. Um, we'll be back soon. Um, until then, thanks for joining us. Take care. And remember to love each other. This is Ben Patrick Johnson for That Gay Podcast, a presentation of Attuned Productions.